With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Wealthy Sisters Radio, the show that promotes positive people. Tune in live on Mondays at 12 noon Eastern or listen live and 24-7 at www.wealthysistersradio.com. We know you will be inspired, empowered, and informed by the incredible women featured. And now it's showtime. Ladies and gentlemen, our host, entrepreneur, author, speaker, Deborah Hardness. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Wealthy Sisters Radio, sponsored by Wealthy Sisters Media Group. You can visit us for all your branding and publishing needs at www.wealthysisters, that's S-I-S-T-A-S, media.com. Wealthy Sisters Radio is where we proudly promote positive people, and our purpose is twofold. First, we love to provide you, the dynamic listener, with inspiration and encouragement and that practical knowledge that you can apply right now to your business and life and have that positive impact. And second, we must provide that platform to edify, promote, acknowledge, and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network. And today is another awesome Monday, July 8, 2013. And guess what? It's our anniversary. Yes, we celebrate four years today. We're so excited, and we owe it all to you. Thank you so much for tuning in each year, every week. We appreciate you for sharing the space with us. And that's right, this is all of our banner year. We have agreed to that. We're standing for it, and it is coming to pass. And, you know, we are here every week at the same time. That's 12 noon Eastern. So we thank you so much for spreading the word. Well, of course, this being our special fourth-year anniversary, you know we have a show for you today. If you are listening live or via the download, you want to make sure you give this show your undivided attention. Or if you can't make sure, go back and listen. You don't want to miss this show at all. I have a guest today that I'm thrilled to introduce to the Wealthy Sisters community. You know that expression that is used, uh, don't talk about it, be about it? Well, that's what our guest is doing. She's a highly successful businesswoman and a track record of fortune, and she is paying it forward with her global mission of helping one million entrepreneurs reach that one million in revenue plus. Now, she is none other than our special guest, Ms. Shramana Mitra, and she is the founder, as I said, of One Million by One Million, a global virtual incubator that aims to help one million entrepreneurs globally to reach $1 million in revenue and beyond. She is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur and a strategy consultant. She writes the blog, Shramana Mitra, on strategy and is the author of 
Entrepreneur's Journeys book series. And she was a columnist for Forbes, and as a CEO entrepreneur, she ran three companies, that's DAIS, Intrica, and UMA. Shramna has a master's degree in electrical engineering and computer science from MIT. So we are so excited to have her on the show today, our anniversary, four years today. So you know what you've got to do right now. You've got to call everybody, test book them, Facebook them, tweet them, let them know to dial Wealthy Sisters Radio right now, 347-838-9278, 347-838-9278. We want to hear your shout-outs. If this show has helped you over the past four years, call us today and let us know, and we appreciate you for doing that. And also, we want to remind you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us at Wealthy Sisters, and also, you can download this show and all of our other great shows at Wealthy Sisters Radio, and we're free on iTunes as well. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with our dynamic guest. This topic today, I'm telling you, you are going to be so excited uh, to hear this, so make sure you get your pens and your paper ready for our special guest today who is on a mission to help one million reach one million. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Three women are murdered every day. Around the world, at least one in three women has been or will be abused in her lifetime. It's time to change these statistics. Join Saving Promise, a national grassroots movement that's bringing about real change. Visit www.savingpromise.org to join our One Voice campaign and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Text My Promise to 20222 to make a $5 donation. We need your voice. Together we can live, thrive, and be free of domestic violence. Does your home or office decor need a resurrection? Is there a special room of yours that says blah, blah, blah and is lacking inspiration? Then you need creative ways and solutions. We help you create feel-good spaces that are functional and beautiful at the same time. We are here to cater to you with an environmental and spiritually conscious flair. Both in-person and virtual interior design services are available. Visit us online at creativeways.com, spelled with a K, or call 888-280-8318 for a complimentary consultation. We create spaces that inspire you. Well, hello, we are live back on Wealthy Sisters Radio, our fourth year anniversary. We owe it all to you. Thank you so much for being the best audience. We appreciate all of your greetings, text messages, and tweets. The Facebook messages, the emails over here. Thank you so much for sharing uh, this space with us. And we are grateful that this show has been able to have an impact on your life. So thank you again for helping us celebrate our fourth year anniversary. And uh, we are not going to hold our guest from you any longer. She is a dynamic individual. I'm thrilled to have her on the show. Shramna, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, so happy to have you on Wealthy Sisters Radio. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, indeed. And we know that you are awake kind of early there. Uh, You're on the West Coast. And so we appreciate you joining us at this hour. My pleasure. It's 9.07 a.m. (laughs) So that's probably late for you, a woman of your stature, all that you do every day. Yes, it's not very early. <laughs> are, are you a morning person? 
Um, well, you know, because we work with so many time zones, we kind of adjust to whatever is needed. You know, we uh, we are a global virtual incubator. One million by one million is the only global virtual incubator in the world at this point. And we really have entrepreneurs all over the world, and we have partners all over the world. So we and we have. You know, our team is a global team, so we have to operate on a global time zone basis. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely so. Well, you know, here at Wealthy Sisters, we always say that we are a little bit nosy here. Our audience loves to be able to feel like they can relate and, and kind of get to know you. So if you don't mind, just share with us a little bit how you got started, uh, where you grew up, and um, then we'll move forward into to this great project that you have. Sure. I grew up in Calcutta, India in the 70s and the 80s, and in 1989 I came to the United States for college. Um, I did all my college in uh, in Massachusetts, so I did Smith College for undergraduate and then MIT for graduate school, and I started my first company while still a graduate student at MIT, so uh, I started very early. I, my first job out of school, or even not even yet out of school, was a CEO job, which was of my own company. And then wow. all through the 90s, I did three startups as founder-CEO. Then I spent the 2000 decade with a lot of consulting. I uh, consulted up and down the technology value chain all the way from chips and semiconductors, EDA, to consumer, Internet, enterprise software, and everything in between. And I also, during that time, got to work with a lot of very large companies, uh, you know, Fortune 500, Global 2000 companies, as well as a lot of venture-funded companies, small startups, and so forth. It was a, it was a very broad version in the mm-hmm. technology universe. And mm-hmm. while I was doing that, I also started writing my blog, which you have mentioned in your introductions, Romanamitra on Strategy. And uh, that was about nine, 2005. You know, blogs were not as well known at that time, so we were kind right. of early uh, in the blogging process. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. In 2008, I got invited to write a column for Forbes. I did that for three years and uh, stopped that in about 2010, although I still write a lot of syndicated columns in various places. Uh, Right now, Harvard Business Review is publishing a series from uh, me. So the writing became a big part of the uh, later part of the 2000 decade. I wrote five books on entrepreneurship in the 2008-2010 time frame. And about 2010... Uh, beginning is when I thought that I was going to package all this work up and and bring together this initiative called One Million by One Million, which is the only global virtual incubator in the world. And we launched 1M1M at the end of 2010. The end of 2010. So by you, I want to go back a little bit just to kind of talk a little bit about your mindset because we always um, talk about that here on Wealthy Sisters Radio and we realize 
um, that an entrepreneur has to have a certain mindset. And it's very interesting. You went to school, and you said before you finish your graduate um, studies, you started your own business. Was it your intent growing up to have your own business, or did you it ever was. Think- I have an entrepreneur's daughter, and I knew since okay. I was 16 years old that I was going to be an entrepreneur, so I was pretty much looking for the quickest path to that goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you never you never had in your mind, you know, here in America, we are we're trained to it's not on what business you're going to run, but it's what who are you going to work for? So you never had in your mind that you wanted to work for someone except you knew you want to work for yourself. Yes, I I did not really want to work for anybody. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So now you talked a, a little bit about your path here as to how you actually um, came about and started with the one million, one million by one million. Can you give us a little bit more about the inspiration? What really made you want to do this? Well, uh, you know, I am a computer scientist. By uh, background, a lot of I've had a lot of training in the area of scalable system design. So I was in the in a parallel computing project uh, in uh, starting 1993 at MIT, and even before that, my bachelor's work was also in the area of parallel and distributed computing. So it, it's a it's a mindset of designing systems that can scale that was very ingrained in me through my computer science training. That was one influence. And the other is that, you know, because I grew up in Calcutta, which is, uh, I don't know how much you know about it, Calcutta is a rather poor city. I don't come from a poor family or, or you know, um, that kind of a background, but if you're right. growing up in a place like Calcutta, you see poverty all around and you see uh, these huge populations that are trying to develop. And, and the India that I grew up in was not a developed India. Today's India is a much higher opportunity India. Mm-hmm. My India, the way I knew India, was a much lower opportunity, much more stagnant India. So mm-hmm. development economics was of deep interest to me, and I studied economics as my second major for my undergraduate. And uh, and subsequently, I've studied a lot of things. Um, I've studied uh, Muhammad Yunus's work in the Grameen Bank uh, microfinance area and a whole lot of other things. And, and um, so there were two major threads. One is the scalable system design. The other is um, development economics. These were two threads that were very ingrained into my system. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing was entrepreneurship. I am an entrepreneur. I've always believed in entrepreneurship being the solution to the world's problems. And an entrepreneurship being the most effective method of development economics. Um, so I, I basically put all of those thought processes together, and I wanted to build a scalable, you know, entrepreneurial venture that is going to be um, in the realm of entrepreneurship development, educa- entrepreneurship education, entrepreneurship incubation kind of area. And I knew that by doing it on a virtual basis, by Designing a system that would that is designed to scale on a uh, you know on the internet and and so forth that those are the ways of designing a scalable system. So that 
you know, given that our mission is to help a million entrepreneurs reach a million dollars and beyond in annual revenue, uh, my way of doing that was using my background in scalable system design and in entrepreneurship and in development economics. So that's the kind of thought process behind what has come together as the one million by one million global virtual incubator. Yeah, that's that's I can definitely see the transition and everything coming together for you to do that um, with your background. Tell tell me what what made you want to reach a goal of one million entrepreneurs? Where did that number come from? Well, it's it's a you know it could have been. Ten thousand, it could have been hundred thousand, it could have been one million. I don't know. It just came from, you know, a, a good solid round number that is large enough that would have a big impact. If you read the one million, one million mission, it is one million entrepreneurs reaching a million dollars and beyond in annual revenue, creating, helping create ten million jobs and a trillion dollars in global GDP. That's the full mission of one million by one million. So, you know, this is a very large goal, and it will take a lot of my, uh, the rest of my career, whatever uh, remains of it, uh, probably about 30 years or so, whatever, I don't know. Um, I am, it, it also felt like something, it's a meaningful enough cause that I could give myself to it at this stage of my life. Right, right. And, and especially, you know, when you read all the great success stories of entrepreneurs and leaders, they always talk about having uh, such a goal that's, that it can take a lifetime uh, to achieve. Now, I, I definitely enjoyed, and I encourage everybody to go to your website, which is the 1M, is it's 1Mby1M.com. That's right. So, Correct, and I I enjoyed your videos on there, and the let's talk about this the second part of the one million the revenues. You brought up a great point, and I I'd heard this before. The hardest uh, goal or the hardest million to reach is that first million in revenues. Why do you think that is so? You know. Um for a variety of reasons, one getting to one million in revenue is hard because you're starting from scratch and you don't have any credibility in the market. You don't have any customers. You don't have any reference customers. So you have to convince the first few customers to buy your product. Once a few customers buy your product and you create success stories, you can use those success stories to convince other people, but it's kind of like who's going to bell the cat, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First, convincing the first few customers to buy your product or your service is incredibly complicated, and that's that's a stage where a lot of what I call infant entrepreneur mortality happens. And there's also, you know, in first-time entrepreneurs in particular, there's a tremendous amount of ignorance, right? And uh, that ignorance drives them to do all sorts of stupid things. One of them is People chase financing out of the gate without doing any validation work, without doing homework that needs to be done. They go chasing money. They go chasing financing. And investors, however, do not fund these concepts, basically. Investors are looking for validated businesses to fund where they can assess the risks properly and, and cleanly and get some evidence that this is a company as opposed to just a concept. And there is a huge gap, it seems, in 
people's understanding of what that what what should be done at that very early stage what are the priorities what are the first few things one should be doing and people have this misconception that they should go chasing investors so they go do ch go chase investors 6 months 9 months go by they don't get funded and then they run out of steam and they go out of business Right, and then bring on the family, bring on all of the naysayers who discourage them, and you shouldn't have done this, or you knew, you, and then then it's over, you know. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to talk about your articles. Very interesting article on the Harvard Business Review that you wrote. Um, the primary cause of Entrepreneur Infant Mortality. I, I like the title of that. Uh, one you did just mention, the business, uh, the businesses that go after financing. That's one of the first things uh, we do often. And you said 99% of businesses are rejected. What What are some of the other causes of the fatality or mortality of uh, infant Let me actually explain to you what's going on. And, and you, you bring up the Harvard Business Review article, How to Reduce Infant Entrepreneur Mortality, and where I said that 99%, over 99% of entrepreneurs who go out to raise financing get rejected. That's, that's something very important for people to understand. Why do people get rejected? There's two primary reasons. One is entrepreneurs go out to raise money too soon without doing enough validation, without doing their homework, which I talked about earlier. There's a right. second reason. The second reason is most businesses are not fundable by venture capital. Venture capital is a model that is applicable to extremely large business opportunities, and I'm talking billion-dollar ideas. Right, now, like Silicon Valley type of ideas. <laughs> yeah, and, like and most right. businesses are not billion-dollar business ideas. Most mm -hmm. businesses are, you know, $20 million, $30 million, maybe $5 million business ideas, and no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to get venture financing on a $20 million, $30 million idea, definitely wow. not on a dollar idea. So so that's something that people need to understand and there are what this is something we teach in our program is to how to really understand what is the business opportunity in front of you, how to quantify it, how to model it, how to and um, how to decide on whether your business is fundable or not. And if it's not fundable that doesn't mean it's a bad business. You can still mm -hmm. build that business. It just has to be done built differently. And by the way People also equate fundability with venture capital. There are other kinds of fund financing also, you know. Once you have some amount of track record, you can get bank financing, you can get inventory financing, you can get receivable financing. There are many different ways of financing a business, mm -hmm. you know, and, and grow to its potential other than venture capital. But for some reason, because of the amount of media attention venture capital gets, that's become the you know people all entrepreneurs think that they have to get venture capital and that's a huge huge misconception right well you know we see it like you said in the media we see it on the uh, the new the hot show that every business person loves uh we see the, the the shark tank we we see uh like you've mentioned in a lot of the print media as well and it is, uh, especially now with technology, the way that things happen with the, the 
Silicon Valley and and all of the, the now the apps is the latest thing that's out here that you know it's a lot of um push towards that and I know in your article you mentioned that that whole myth of entrepreneurship equaling venture capital um talk a little bit about that myth a little bit more and then share your formula with us uh that you say entrepreneurship equals customers plus revenue right so um you know my definition or my guidance on what what people need to do first and foremost when they want to start a company is to really immerse themselves in customers okay and by that i mean also prospects potential customers and really okay. understand their needs, understand their, uh, you know, what will prompt them to buy, whether they will buy what you're planning to offer or not. All this is far more critical. We call this generally overall the entire methodology that we teach, customer validation methodology. And that is far more important in the early stages than any interaction with investors. Mm-hmm. So we are today operating under the misconception that, Entrepreneurship equals financing. The reality is entrepreneurship equals customers, revenues, and profits. Mm -hmm. You have to build a profitable, sustainable company that is based on products or services you sell to customers that generate revenue, and you have to be able to be profitable. Eventually, a business is something that can make money, and making money means making profits. This is a business. This is what an entrepreneurship this is what entrepreneurship is supposed to be all about. Financing is supposed to be optional. Financing should be optional. But mm-hmm. but I think the problem with the industry right now is that people think financing is their goal and not revenues or customers revenues or profits. Mhm. Mhm. And another interesting point you brought up um now since we know we've seen a lot of things happen with the economy. You talked about capitalism's uh, fundamental flaws, and you stated that there were two particular problems. First, you said it's been hijacked by spectators. What do you mean by that? Not spectators, speculators. I mean speculators, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> speculators. So, if you look at what's happening today, it's, uh, you know, it's basically capitalism today is a fortune at the tip of the pyramid system, it's a very mm-hmm. huge concentration of wealth at the very tip of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. I actually personally do not have any problems, philosophically, I don't have any problems with inequality because capitalism is inherently supposed to be unequal. It's supposed to be a meritocracy. It's supposed to be, you know, people who who take risks, create value, and, right. uh, you know, create jobs, create enterprises, get rewarded much more than people who don't take those risks or, you know, do not create those jobs and so forth. But right now, part of the problem we have is that um, the people who are making the maximum amounts of easy money are people who are basically trading in uh, in the finance industry, and uh, they're not really creating any value. So there's been a decoupling between mm-hmm. value creation and wealth creation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So people, speculators are creating wealth but not value, and yes. that I think is a major flaw of capitalism. And and how how could they create? And what do you mean? Can you go into more details about they're creating wealth but they're not creating value? Do you mean jobs or what? what well, they're what just it, what moving money from here to there, right? If you uh-huh. if you 
if you if you're pure the only thing that you do is is speculate mhm mhm you're you know buying and selling stocks day and night you're uh, or bonds or whatever assets mm-hmm. you're not really creating value mhm 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 contrast mm-hmm. that with there are parts of the finance industry that does create value for example i would say the venture capital industry actually does create value because the venture capital industry is focused on building businesses and right. um there are parts of the venture capital industry that is also highly speculative but by and large the philosophy of venture capital is that you also have to invest money in young companies who are you know innovating and creating and and building enterprises and and mm-hmm. for the most part venture capitalists make money when successful companies get built and that in my opinion is value creation and that also has the byproduct of creating jobs mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. important for society but if you're just trading uh stocks and bonds and just moving money from here to there that is not a value creation exercise necessarily mm-hmm. 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 I see it that's is, very I, I'm clear. not saying that mar- markets are not important I think they what that does is basically keeps the market alive right and and that it is markets need to be mercantile capitalism works only when markets work but um but I think today it has become too skewed the whole system is much more skewed towards value creation uh, towards speculation as opposed to value creation value, value creation. creation right 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 definitely needs to and be they're some taking type of undue risk and and de- destroying economies right the whole financial crisis came out of the speculators taking undue risks and then the the worst part of it is that the government bailed them out so there it's privatized gains and socialized right. losses which is mm-hmm. absolutely not permissible in capitalism in mm-hmm. in capitalism the way it was envisioned mhm mhm so what what are some of the solutions that you say um and you mentioned some well, of them. I I can't say that I have all the solutions but one right. solution that I'm I am personally working on is combining the values the philosophies of democracy and capitalism and mm-hmm. trying to create a framework that can teach a much larger number of entrepreneurs around the world to be successful to build businesses to build successful businesses and what i call create fortune in the middle of the pyramid right now we have a system that is fortune at the tip of the pyramid mm-hmm. and i i want to see that the benefits of capitalism being harnessed and enjoyed by a much larger population of people and that's the philosophical premise of 1 million by 1 million i see 1m1m as a framework for distributed democratic capitalism mhm mhm now i know with um the 1 million 1 million you you have it's all virtual which is just I, I I mean that is just a brilliant idea to have it virtual so that you can reach so many people uh around the world and I I want to encourage everyone again to go to 1m by 1m.com and you can see um uh, Shramana's videos on there uh you talk about uh your round table that you have which is which is first of all unlike uh, other incubators out there. Let let me back up. Why is yours so unique as an incubator and um compared well, one of the to main 
One of the main philosophies of our incubator is that we are completely inclusive. Mm-hmm. Most incubators are looking for that less than 1% fundable mm-hmm. companies because they their model is they take equity in companies mm-hmm. and then they uh, help. The, the promise is to raise money from angels followed by VCs and help these companies become successful. So they're the criteria for success is funding. Mm-hmm. And this is flawed because, as I said, most businesses are not fundable. And mm-hmm. there are, you know, over 8,000 uh, incubators out there in the world today. If all of them go on, go and promise entrepreneurs that they're going to help them raise financing, it's just not a viable model, you know, because and a lot of people are failing as a result. Mm-hmm. So both the incubators are failing and the entrepreneurs are failing. Mm-hmm. Our philosophy is that we don't promise that we're going to raise funding for entrepreneurs because there, we acknowledge that there are lots of unfundable entrepreneurs out there, but unfundable doesn't mean that those entrepreneurs cannot be successful. Uh, cannot achieve success if success is achieved as customers' revenues and profits. You know, I got to stop you right there because that that statement is such a powerful statement. There, there, I speak with entrepreneurs every day, and that whole idea of us getting the business plan, getting this so that we can get the funding, that really legitimizes your business. Like you said, that myth is is. Uh, perpetuated throughout. It is very deep-seated. That myth is extremely deep-seated, and that's something that we uh, do not believe in. Um, So we we don't promise that you'll get funded because we acknowledge that this is a myth. We acknowledge that you could be in a business that is not fundable, in which case, that's fine. We'll teach you how to build that business within the parameters of the dynamics of your business, the characteristics of your business, and what is right for your business. Right, right. You are the only incubator in the world that is willing to work with you and help you build your business even if you're not fundable. Mm. So that makes us inclusive. We can work with millions of businesses just because of that, because there aren't millions of fundable businesses. It just does not exist. Mhm 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 I mean just that last statement that just because you're not fundable doesn't mean that you can't have a good business. <laughs> That's right. That's, and and you know yeah. one thing that has become a phenomenon in the last few years because of the internet, because of social media and and because of the amount of power that is in the hands of entrepreneurs today it has become very cheap mm-hmm. to start businesses. It has mm-hmm. become a lot, 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 lot cheaper to build mm-hmm. businesses. And as a result, you know, a lot of young people uh, are starting businesses and building businesses very early. As you as you see, people are very, um, you know, interested in starting businesses very early in their careers, you know, in their 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, before people used to work for many, many years and then maybe start a business in their 40s. Nowadays, people are starting business early, with very little, requiring very little to get going, and my my thesis is that we want to empower these people to be successful with the right education, the right incubation support, so that they can be successful business owners. And as long as they can build 
profitable businesses at whatever scale, even if they build a $1 million a year business, even if they build a $5 million a year business, as long as it's a profitable business, we believe that that is success. Then you decide how, what level do you want to go to. You want to, you've already built a $5 million business, now you want to go to $20 million. Let's figure out the strategy of how to do that. If you want to go to $100 million, let's figure out the strategy to do that. And maybe then, if you do have the characteristics of that kind of um, you know, scale in your business, maybe now is the time to go raise money. Let's figure out what is the financing strategy, and so on and so forth. So we believe that everybody should be uh, empowered to succeed at the level of their potential. Mm-hmm. But success is not only building a billion-dollar business. Success is not only building a venture-fundable business. Uh, a mom who's raising three children and wants to build a business on the side from home, if that that mom builds a business that is going to bring in $100,000 a year, I think that is a huge success. Oh, yes, for sure. For sure. Yes, it is. And she still has the flexibility of being and controlling her destiny and contributing uh, to to the budget as well. That's a huge success. And yes, also the sense of self that brings, right? It, I think the part of the problem that a lot of stay-at-home moms are facing is that they feel uh, like they're losing their sense of self. Some of them are many very, very educated people, and they, by choosing to raise children um, and staying at home, they often lose that sense of self. My message to them is start a business, build a business, mm-hmm. and do it at your own pace. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And, and build that sense of self. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure, because it's something that you create, you know, from dust, and to be able to see it blossom is uh, definitely uh, a great accomplishment. It does something for your psyche to be able to do that as well. Because, I I mean, when you speak to entrepreneurs, it's not always just about the money. It's about being able to build something that you can say you were able to build and have success, whatever that level of Terribly. Entrepreneurship is a very stressful process, but it's also a creative process. It is the it is almost like raising a child and it is yes. you know, it has a lot of those characteristics and, and it's it does reinforce a tremendous sense of self. Yes, yes. So if yes. you are doing that from home and building a business and, and catering to real customers and fulfilling real needs and, and bringing in custom bringing in customers, bringing in revenues, bringing in profits and it will make you feel really a real sense of accomplishment because it is hard yes. to do. It is. And and I'm glad you brought that up, too, because a lot of times people see, especially today with the technology, and you can see the Facebook and, and Twitter and what have you, and people have the impression that being an entrepreneur sometimes, if they haven't, they think it's really easy. Uh, during those times, have you have you had any times in your journey that uh, you maybe thought maybe I should just go work for someone, or you thought about oh this is very difficult? And if so, what are some of the things you did to continue on to where you are today? Well, look, entrepreneurship is not easy at all. Anybody listening, if you have this misconception that entrepreneurship is easy. Just get off that misconception because it isn't. It's extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's full of, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's full of huge highs, but it's also full of huge lows. Yeah. And 
you know, lots of things go wrong, lots of things that you're hoping would happen or expecting would happen don't happen or don't happen in the time frame that you're trying to make it happen. Um, you have to, you know, make payroll every month or every week, whatever is your schedule, and, and you have to you have to balance a lot of balls, juggle a lot of balls, and, and it's it's a very, very difficult path. So most people do feel do go through phases where they think that this may not be the, you know, this may not be worth it. Mm-hmm. And then there are entrepreneurs who really stick it out and, and, and have the resilience and have the tenacity to make it all come together. And when it does come together, it's incredibly satisfying. That's the mm-hmm. that's the journey. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you, let's say, you kind of dive you dive into entrepreneurship and you go through the process and you decide that, well, no, I can't deal with it, and you decide to go another route, that's fine too. You know, it is not for everybody. I mm-hmm. I, I, I will be the first one to tell you that this is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. That's for sure. It is definitely not for everyone. Well, I know with um, your the One Million by One Million project, you have the online mentoring roundtables. What, what is that all about? So uh, for about four uh, this is our fifth year, actually. We've been doing um, this predates the 1M1M program itself. We've been doing online mentoring. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we have a free online mentoring session. And entrepreneurs from all over the world dial into this call and you know, pitch their businesses and get feedback on their businesses. And it, it essentially runs like a reality show. Uh, you know, we take a, somewhere between three to seven entrepreneurs in interactive mode, and then we have the rest of the room in listening mode and participating through public chat and so forth. So um, we've had over 16,000 entrepreneurs participate in these sessions. We've had wow. um, com- companies from all over the world come to these sessions if every uh, every week, it's like a United Nations summit. You will meet all sorts of people from all over the world in these meetings. And I welcome all of you to come and, and check it out. If you go to our website, 1mby1m.com, you will see a tab for free public roundtables. That's where you will find the schedule and the registration links and everything. And, and you're very welcome to come uh, join us. This is, by the way, what led us to the one million by one million virtual incubator program. Because we have talked to so many people, this is you know this week is our hundred and eighty first roundtable. So wow, uh, done a lot of these sessions, and we have deep understanding of what issues early stage entrepreneurs face. And we, um, what we have done in the in the premium program in the one million by one million premium program, which is uh, our full incubation program. We have a uh, curriculum, a video lectures and case studies-based curriculum where we have addressed all these issues and um, we give you a very comprehensive, almost like an MBA in entrepreneurship um, through this curriculum. And also we have private mentoring sessions as part of the premium program as well. We charge a $1,000 annual membership fee only for this entire program. For the entire uh, program. A thousand the program is just a thousand dollars annual membership fee. 
Yes, because I know if you were if you were looking at, like you said at the others, you first of all it's not all inclusive. They're they're very exclusive, and they want to take part of your um, equity of your company, and you're just charging a thousand for this an annual yeah. basis. If you you know when we quantify the ROI of our program, we give you three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year worth of value for a thousand dollars annual membership fee. Wow. Tremendous, valuable program. Wow. And and the uh, free online roundtable that they can really learn more about the program um, that you just mentioned, that's on Tuesdays again. Give them the time oh, again, Tuesdays. Morning, I'm sorry, Thursdays. Say that again. Thursday. 8 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, perfect. Now, um, tell us tell us about if someone wanted to actually get their business pitched. You mentioned you usually have about seven. How would someone do that? If you go to the registration page, as I told you, um, mm-hmm. you just need to go to the website, register. You can register to pitch or register to attend. You can register mm-hmm. to attend first, listen to a session, and then register to pitch at the next session. You know, we are very flexible, and, and okay. that's how we, we organize the programs. Wow, wow. I bet you get, um, like you said, people from all over the world. What What are some of the other common challenges that you've seen entrepreneurs uh, face uh, in building their businesses today? Well, We've talked uh, about. you know, we have studied these challenges at length, and, and as a result what we have done is we've created a curriculum which addresses uh-huh. the common challenges. So if you look at the, uh, you know, the seven primary modules, core modules of the curriculum, those okay. are booting, positioning, customer validation, customer acquisition, market sizing, team building, and financing. Mm-hmm. So pretty much the challenges that we face on all the time, or entrepreneurs face all the time, are. Um, categorized in those seven categories, and we have video lectures and case studies on each of those topics and discussion areas where you can ask questions and, you know, discuss your specific situations. And then we also have elective modules which are industry-specific where, you know, we work in the technology and technology-enabled services industries primarily. So uh, we have elective modules in subsectors of those industries. E-commerce, for instance, is a very big category web businesses web 3.0 and e-commerce is a is a major elective category for us mm-hmm, cloud mm-hmm. computing and business solutions you hear a lot about cloud businesses these days and this is a very big category for us mobile and social apps gaming um healthcare it online education slash educational technology outsourcing and consulting all these are uh, elective modules in the curriculum where we talk about specific business areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there some areas that you think entrepreneurs need to focus more on um, as far as business or trends? I know you mentioned several that are hot right now. Are there any trends that you think for those new entrepreneurs that are listening that want to be an entrepreneur and want to find? I, uh, I'm very bullish on niche e-commerce. Okay. I think e-commerce is very big and it's going to continue be, to be very big and it's going to going to be a very global phenomenon. It's already a very global phenomenon and that global nature of e-commerce is going to go 
is going to continue to increase. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think niche e-commerce is is a very interesting category. Like for example, um, you know, we have companies in our program or in our case studies that are working on very specific niches. Mm-hmm. There's a case study that we teach, which um, is a is a woman in Florida. Um, and her company is called CableOrganizer.com. Okay. This company is doing $16 million a year selling cable organizer equipment online. So this is basically you have a rat's nest of cables under your desk, and you want to cover them up, and it's basically concealers wow. that organize those cables. And she wow. started from home, and you know, some a little, by, a little while later, her husband joined the company and now they have I think something like 50 people they have a warehouse and everything and and they're they're basically doing a 16 million dollars a year business just link cable organizers from 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 home now did did she manufacture the cable organizers is she just no, happy she wow she just she sells distributes them. them sells them wow mm. it's a retail business retail e-commerce business wow mm. so, so it, go example ahead example of what I mean by Niche e-commerce, this is a category that is very interesting. Another trend that is hot right now is everything around online education slash educational technology is very hot. There's all sorts of things going on. We have a company in our program that uh, that develops an iPad application for mm-hmm. autistic children, for helping them communicate. And the the app sells for $99.00. And the company is again, you know, selling a very, very impressive product, and it's a, you know, high-value product. It's a small company, but it's a very important product because it's a niche product. It caters to a specific niche of customers, and but it solves a real problem. Right. Right. So it doesn't, you know, what what you're saying and what I'm hearing you say to entrepreneurs is not necessarily something that you have to invent. Uh, Like you see today a lot of inventions with apps or what have you. You just need to be able to find a good product, a niche product, you're saying, that can be sold uh, via the e-commerce. Or, I mean, the the iPad application I told you about is a is a – product that the company has built that it that they developed right 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 of course but uh, i was thinking of uh also of the cable organizer something as simple as that i mean i just i just i guess my mind was on that so much because with all of the technologies that's out here a lot of times people feel like they have to create something or invent something uh, to oh, be able don't have to, to invent do things well. all the time. Invent, see, entrepreneurship and innovation are not synonymous terms. Mm-hmm. You can be an entrepreneur without inventing anything. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Cable exam, uh, cable organizer is a very good example of that. Is that it's somebody who's built a business selling something that they haven't built, they haven't developed, or manufactured, or so, or uh, invented. They are selling the product. Right, 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 right. Right. Now, tell us, um, this time is going by so fast. If you just joined us, we're celebrating our fourth-year anniversary today with our very special guest, Sramana Mitra, who is with the founder of the One Million by One Million Project. 
what uh, would you like to share with uh, women entrepreneurs today? Do you have a special message you'd like to leave with them? Well, I, I think I have a couple of messages. One is, you know, the rules are not different for you because you're a woman entrepreneur. Mm. You're, you have to be a great entrepreneur. And though the, the definition of a great entrepreneur is somebody who can build a business get customers, get revenues, get profits. And that is something that you're going to have to do, whether you're a woman entrepreneur or a male entrepreneur. So don't think of yourself as a woman entrepreneur. You have to be a damn compelling entrepreneur, period. Mm -hmm. That's number one. The second mm -hmm. message is you decide what is your definition of success. Do not let other people define the def define success for you. You know, what is success for you? If you decide that you want to build a venture-funded billion-dollar company and that is what you define as success, that's fine. Pursue that. In, if you decide, however, that you want to have three children and you want to build a business that can give you flexibility and, you know, you preserve your sense of self and your, you know, deploy your intellectual capacity and your potential and your... Uh, you know, ambitions and everything, and you, but you want to do all of those things, then define your success that permits you to do that. Balance becomes then part of your success equation. You, maybe you want to work from home. Maybe you want to build a company that is, you know, more, more adjusted to your lifestyle. And that's fine, too. That is also success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't let external forces define success for you and don't calibrate yourself or measure yourself against somebody else's definition of success. That is so important, that last statement you said. It's because as women, we do. We have, first of all, we do have that mindset sometimes that because we are women, um, it's going to be different. But I learned <laughs> when you are competing against a male or you you are working alongside a male, they're thinking about business. They're not thinking about, oh, you're a woman, let me take it easy or anything like that. It is you have to be an entrepreneur, just like you said. And then uh, the, the fact that we should define on what that success is and not allowing someone else or others uh, determine what that success should be because we do, we fall into a lot of those guilt traps um, when it comes to our children, if we want to build a business around children, maybe we don't want to do what someone else is doing. And I, I like that ending there, like you said, comparing uh, ourselves to others, measuring ourselves to others. Those are some great, great uh, points that you have made. And whichever way you decide to go, if you need help, come work with us. We don't care whether you're building a billion-dollar business or you're building a hundred you know one million dollar business whichever whichever direction you want to go we will work with you to fulfill your goals our you don't need to fulfill our goals our goal is to make you successful and to the extent that you help us fulfill our goals is it's is by us making you successful but that success is defined by you you define mm. what scale and what what are the parameters of your success are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We determine our own goals, and once we reach those goals, that's the success. 
Therefore, yes. and, and one we million will help by one million. Your goals, whatever you define right. as your goals, we will help you reach your goals. We work right. with a lot of companies that are working towards the traditional venture funding model, and we have companies that have got funded and so forth. But we also work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are working on, you know, self-finance businesses with smaller niche opportunities, and that's also fine. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Wow. Well, I tell you, if you just joined us and you missed this show, you want to go back and download it immediately. You know, you can find us on iTunes. Go ahead and download it on your smartphone. Shramana Mitra of One Million by One Million has shared some powerful information. She has a great article you need to check out on the Harvard Business Review as well. Shramana, I tell you, thank you so much. Before we let you go, please give all of your contact information so that um, our listeners can reach out to you uh, after the show. The best way to reach me would be through the 1M1M site, which is 1M by 1M.com. So the number 1M by number 1M.com. And you would find all the registration information for the uh, roundtables as well as, you know, uh, on the support tab, you would find information on how to contact us. If you need to talk to somebody, we will connect you with somebody. But start with the web page. That's where you will find everything. Mhm, mhm. Wonderful. Well, congratulations to you uh, for all of your success, and 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 really, we want to thank you for everything that you're doing. You you don't have to do this. <laughs> you don't have to take this time to build and yes, to work with other people. It is a business. I do have to do this. I have chosen <laughs> to do this as a business, and today yes. I have customers. I have to cater to those customers, and I have to. <laughs> To my team, and I have to build this business. So, yeah, so I guess I'm here because I want to on. be here. <laughs> I'm doing this because I want to do this. Yes, yes, yes. Well, definitely. Well, your mindset is definitely in the place. Uh, we know with your success you could be doing some other things, but, of course, you are uh, definitely on the mission to do what you're doing, and we appreciate you, Shramana, for that. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Continued success, and we look forward to perhaps having you on the show in the future. All right, and good luck with all your efforts as well. Thank you. We'll stay in touch. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye now. And thank you to everyone that has tuned in and helped us celebrate our fourth year anniversary here with Wealthy Sisters Radio Show. We thank you again. We could not have done it without you. We appreciate all of the listeners from all over, all of your feedback and the great emails we get every week. And we just want to remind you we'll be here again next week as we continue to celebrate the anniversary month here on Wealthy Sisters Radio. So until Until then, you know what we do. We wish you and yours the best of everything great. See you next week. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters Radio. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for another positively impacting show next week. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Wealthy Sisters and on the web at WealthySistersRadio.com. The opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our hosts, staff, or partners of our Wealthy Systems Radio.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.